0: Well, good morning, and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven on this fine, almost spring morning. I'm Adam Wright with you for the hour, still celebrating St. Patrick's Day in advance. Here, uh, you, if, if you haven't guessed yet, I love being Irish. But let's let's begin our morning together in prayer, and we pray as always in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. For all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, a happy uh, Wednesday morning to you here. It's the 15th. We've got a lot you know, going on in the next couple days. We've got St. Patrick's Day on Friday. The solemnity of St. Joseph normally would fall on Sunday this year due to the Sunday also being the fourth Sunday of Lent. The observance is transferred to next week, Monday. But we've got some preparation to do either way. Because I don't know about you, but I like to go to Saint. Joseph each and every day. Now, I have to be honest with you here, the, uh, the the time change, I am not doing well with it and I hope I'm not the only one. If you're if you're dragging at 7 a.m this morning, know that uh, it's not just you. There's others of us out here and uh, you know it's it's getting to be a, a bit rough this week but alas here we are awake whether we want to be or not. On the show today we're going to be talking about evangelization. We're going to be hearing from Father Schumacher with some thoughts on evangelization and then later in the show we are going to continue our conversations we've been having uh, with Bishop Paprocki. We he was in the studio last week or not in the studio who was with us via Zoom. Um, It felt like he was in the studio. We were face-to-face, but through a computer screen, talking about the season of Lent. And, you know, one of the things we're getting ready for, and I want to start talking about it now, even though we're still a couple weeks away, is the sacred Paschal Triduum. Why do I want to talk about it now? So that you can make plans to attend the liturgies of the sacred paschal triduum now and that might mean some logistical things especially if you have young kids so let's talk about them now so that we can go to them later that's all on the show and more before any of that though let's go to mike roberts for today's weather
1: Today is the feast day of St. Clement Mary Hofbauer, who was a redemptorist. Born in 1751 in what is now the Czech Republic, his baptismal name was Johann, and he was the ninth of 12 children born to Maria and Paul. At a young age, he felt called to be a priest, but his father died when he was six. With the help of a parish priest, he studied scripture and Latin, but that ended when he was eight years old because his priest died. He went to the Priory of the White Canons with the intention of becoming a baker. It was a time of war and great strife, leaving many homeless and hungry, and the Priory bakers working day and night trying to feed as many as possible. Eventually, he went on a pilgrimage to Rome and ended up visiting a shrine to the Blessed Mother where he made the decision to become a hermit and took the name Clement Mary, receiving a religious habit from the local bishop. In his late 20s, the desire to become a priest sent him back home, where he crossed paths with two women who sponsored his studies. Because the emperor had closed over a thousand seminaries, he was forced to study at the University of Vienna. After being ordained as a redemptorist, he and another priest were sent to establish the Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer north of the Alps. But after seven years, political pressure forced them to move to Warsaw, There, they established an orphanage and a school for boys. In spite of attracting many followers, the political intolerance of the time was too much. He was arrested, then expelled from Poland, and eventually found his way back to Vienna, where he founded a Catholic college and came to be known as the Apostle of Vienna. Still, persecution continued, and there were many attempts by governmental officials to force Clement Mary to abandon his ministry, but he had become too popular, and he was able to grow the redemptorist at an incredibly difficult time. He died on this day in 1820. St. Clement Mary Hofbauer, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed
0: day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. I want to put something on your radar screen here. Actually, I want to put a couple somethings on your radar screen. Um, I may be a little overly excited for the Irish celebrations this week, but um, we have a great patron of the church, St. Joseph the most chaste spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who we are going to celebrate uh, liturgically next Monday. And really, I think we should celebrate every day. And it's a good reminder for us that we can be praying through the intercession of St. Joseph each and every day. And there are many great prayers out there we could pray. We do want to let you know that if you have ever been to the beautiful. Shrine of St. Joseph in North St. Louis. Uh, They are going to have their celebration of St. Joseph's feast day on Monday, March 20th at noon. There will be a procession with uh, Knights of Columbus Honor Guard. There will be bread that will be blessed and shared after Mass, a great tradition on St. Joseph's Day. And uh, so, you know, maybe if you have the ability to go to noon Mass at at the Shrine of St. Joseph to celebrate his feast day on Monday, you can do that and start putting together a plan now. Say to the boss, hey, I'm going to take an extended lunch on Monday. Is that okay? You know, especially if you work in in an office with fellow Catholics, uh, you know, perhaps, Perhaps it's something that you all could foster together. Uh, also, you know, like every uh, good, good Catholic church in the season of Lent, uh, you know, every church is celebrating the Stations of the Cross. It's just a question of when uh, the Shrine has stations every Friday in Lent at noon. So we want to thank them for sharing that news with us. But, you know, wherever you go, whether it's to your church, whether it's to a shrine of St. Joseph, a church named after St. Joseph in the town of St. Joseph, a side altar dedicated to St. Joseph. Pray through his intercession and pray for the church. He is such a great patron for us. Speaking of the church, we turn now, like I mentioned at the top of the show last week, I had the opportunity to sit down via Zoom with uh, Bishop Papraki in the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, one of our many dioceses, and that we broadcast in, and we were talking about the season of Lent, and one of the things we continued our conversation talking about was the shortest liturgical season of the year, the Sacred Paschal Triduum. What is it? Why is it important? What's happening? Well, I could give you the summary, or we could just play the rest of the interview, so let's do that now. One other topic I'd like to bring up in our conversation is somewhat the end of Lent and the beginning of, now listeners pay attention, this could be a catequist question, our shortest liturgical season of the year, the Sacred Paschal Triduum, and that's a time that I remember growing up, Mr. Maher, who was our server trainer, would say, "Adam." can you come for all of the liturgies of the Triduum? And I said, well, Mr. Maher, I think maybe I just want to come for Holy Thursday. And he said, no, if you're coming for one, you're coming for all, because that's the way we do this. And that was really my first introduction, Your Excellency, to the idea that as we talk about Holy Week, I mean, yes, these are separate liturgies on separate days, but especially when we get into the liturgies of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil, that we are talking about, almost one continuous liturgy broken up into parts that, I mean, I guess you could go to Mass on Holy Thursday and skip the service of the Lord's Passion on Good Friday and go to the Easter Vigil, but in the context of the grand scheme of things, it actually makes sense to go to all of these liturgies successively.
2: Well, yes, I mean, it's not only the shortest liturgical season of the year, I think it's the most important, uh, because uh, it really is the culmination of uh, and the expression of our Christian faith. To celebrate uh holy thursday so the institution uh of both the eucharist and the ordained ministerial priesthood uh good friday our lord's uh, death on the cross for the remission of our sins and then uh, leading up to the easter vigil uh which is really the pinnacle of the liturgical year in a sense it's not only uh, receiving new members into the church at the sacraments of initiation but it's it's the beginning of the of easter really we, we begin celebrating uh the resurrection at the Easter vigil and that's really uh the basis of our faith because without the Easter celebration Good Friday is a, it's a pretty depressing story if it ends there uh but it leads to the resurrection and so um you know I as a young uh child uh, our, my family we we always went to uh to church for the Triduum it was not not even a question and it, I, I find it kind of uh sad sometimes that uh our attendance at the Paschal triduum is not as good as it should be i we, we get a lot more people it seems on uh palm sunday ash wednesday uh and then the easter vigil comes around and and uh you know i, I know it's a long liturgy but it's uh, it's really not as long as a football game uh, or some other sporting event. so i really wish people would would we'll take that opportunity because it's it's a unique liturgy and I always find because it is such a beautiful liturgy even though sometimes it takes you know two and a half hours uh to get to go through all the different parts of it there are a lot there are a lot of readings because it is a vigil then you have the baptism uh confirmation you have the renewal baptismal promises so there are, there are quite a number of different pieces it also starts with the uh, the blessing of the Easter candle that, that's very moving also you start in a darkened church and and uh the deacon walks in holding the easter candle and uh and then the all the candles of people in the uh, the church are lit uh, at least at the very beginning we, we the, the church is basically just lit by candlelight with all people holding the candles until it comes to the singing of uh, what's called the exalted giving exaltation or praise to god the deacon sings that and then all the lights in the church come on and it's that's really the beginning of the celebration of, of easter so it's a it's a beautiful liturgy and if, if people have not uh, gone to that, I really encourage them to take part, uh, as you said, not just the uh... One, one or two of uh, of those days, but uh, the, all three days of the, the Triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil.
0: One of my favorite prayers in the course of the church year comes from the Exalted, and it's talking about a light divided yet undimmed, and, and I love that imagery for the light of Christ And that most things in life, if, if we were to take, you know, a pie and divide it, then one piece would be less of what the whole was, and there aren't many things that we can divide and say it, it, it is unaffected, and yet the light of Christ we divide from one candle and spread out to so many candles throughout the church, and it's a beautiful image that, you know, if we spread the light of our faith throughout the world, we're not dimming our Lord's particular light. In fact, we're brightening the entire world by doing that, and it's such a beautiful image. One last thing I'd like to ask about. You mentioned uh, the institution of the priesthood, and I know that's one of the liturgies. It's not... so much part of those three that we talk about with the Triduum, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, the service of the Passion on Good Friday, and then the Easter Vigil. But we have the Chrism Mass traditionally on Holy Thursday morning, although in especially in some of our larger dioceses covering... Uh, a, a large geographic area, there's discretion allowed to have that Mass an earlier day in the week so the priests can come and then get back to their parishes. We we have the Chrism Mass, and at that Mass, um, we recall the institution of the priesthood. The priests renew their, their promises of obedience to the diocesan bishop. In addition to that, the, the consecration of the Sacred Chrism, the blessing of the oil of the infirm, the oil of the catechumen. It's a beautiful liturgy, and one I have uh, was very pleased to be introduced to many years ago. I am curious though for you as the bishop because you know we we have to fight that temptation to think of the church where the pope is the CEO, worldwide president, you're the district manager and the, the pastors are the local branch managers. It's not really the imagery of the church. You are the shepherd of the diocese and you have a special communion with the priests of the diocese that, that I don't have. Um, what does it mean to you to have that day with them, to have that chrism mass together and come together with your brother priests in the diocese of Springfield? Oh, well, it means a
2: lot to me. It's a very special day. Uh, in our diocese, we do the chrism mass on uh, Tuesday of Holy Week. Um, traditionally, it was usually on Thursday morning of, of uh, Holy Thursday. Uh, but that's also a very busy time for priests. They're getting ready for the Paschal Triduum and and uh, all the liturgies that they and homilies that they have to prepare for that. So we found it uh, to be a little more relaxed and prayerful to do it on Tuesday, as the um, rubrics allow to do it earlier in the week. And so we we do it in ter- in sense of having our priests come. Uh, we usually start around four o'clock with a holy hour, and so we just start in, in prayer with a holy hour for the priests and. Um, confessions are available so we make this a, a a spiritual opportunity for the priests also to go to confession and then we have a dinner uh, the, all the priests with me after that that's a nice social gathering and and then a little bit later in the evening uh we have the uh, the chrism mass which is um the opportunity uh, not only for the priests to renew their commitment to the priesthood and strengthening the relationship with me because the the bishop is um uh, he's the shepherd of the flock and uh uh the second vatican council uh also refers to the bishop as the vicar of christ in his diocese we often hear that phrase vicar of christ in reference to the pope yes he is the vicar of christ in the universal church but the the bishop is the vicar of christ in in each one of his in each in each diocese and so the priests are collaborators with the bishop but i tell the priests, you're not lone rangers you're working with me and with each other and so we have that but then we also have uh the the word chrism comes from the blessing of the oil so we bless the uh the chrism and the oils that are used in the anointing of the sick and for for catechumens and so those are the oils that are are used in the parishes throughout the year um at baptisms and confirmation we use the anointing uh with the, with the holy chrism uh the anointing of the sick when priests visit people in their hospitals or nursing homes or if they're homebound to they use that oil and catechumens are uh, people preparing to be baptized. So that's used right before a baptism. But, uh, so the, the parishes come to that mass, not only the priests, but people from the parishes and they come and and they, uh, receive the, uh, the blessed and consecrated oils and they take those back, uh, to their parishes. So there's also a very beautiful connection between the bishop, the liturgy at the cathedral, and then, and then going back, uh, going, certain in a sense, sending them out to the parishes, going back to their parishes and, uh, and then uh, using these oils throughout the liturgical year.
0: I know here in St. Louis there's been a grand tradition for uh, at least a decade now, probably longer than that, that you'll see many of the Catholic grade schools send their 8th graders or 7th graders who will be confirmed to the Chrism Mass, and then our, our bishops here have done a fine job of tying that in when they go to the schools or to the or when they go to the parish for the confirmation to say now remember you were here at the cathedral right. and now i'm here at the parish and this oil that we're using you were there when this was consecrated and it's it's a wonderful uh, i love how a, a priest friend of mine put it about speaking of the liturgy that sometimes the catechesis is in the doing by going to that mass they're catechized in a way you couldn't catechize in the classroom because they're actually participating in the liturgical rite where the sacred chrism is consecrated and it's a beautiful thing your Excellency, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today and kind of walk us through some of these things that are happening during the season of Lent and for reminding us of these opportunities, especially with many of us on spring break. I would encourage you, if you are within driving distance of the Diocese of Springfield, especially the cathedral in downtown Springfield, it's a beautiful church and one is quite peaceful to go pray in, uh, make a visit there. Perhaps you're going to the Abraham Lincoln Museum as part of your spring break. Stop by the cathedral and go for mass or, or say a prayer. And if you're in Alton, be sure to visit uh, Saints Peter and Paul, the former cathedral, and take advantage of this wonderful opportunity to receive an indulgence. Your Excellency, thank you again for being with us. Know that we're praying for you this season of Lent, and we're grateful for your you. prayers for us.
2: Thank you very much, and i God bless all of you. And I hope this is a really a grace-filled season uh, throughout Lent and the upcoming Easter season.
0: Well, with that, could I ask you for a blessing as we conclude?
2: Oh, certainly. Be happy to. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for the graces that you shower upon us during this Lenten season as a time for us to grow closer in our relationship and our love and our friendship uh, for you and with you. And so we ask you to send those graces upon us and may Almighty God Bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Prayer of St. Clair of Assisi God of mercy, you inspired St. Clare with a love of poverty. By the help of her prayers, may we follow Christ in poverty of spirit and come to the joyful vision of your glory in the kingdom of heaven. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God, forever and ever. Amen.
0: Our catequiz this morning has to do with a pilgrimage to Rome. In fact, I have some friends on pilgrimage to Rome right now in one of the sites they visited, the Scala Sancta, a set of stairs which may only be ascended on your knees. What are the Scala Sancta? Where are these stairs originally from? Do you know the answer? The Scala Sancta, the Holy Stairs, uh, right now are currently proximate to the Archbasilica of St. John Lateran um, and part of the Pontifical Sanctuary of the Holy Stairs, but that's not where they're originally from, even though they're part of the old papal Lateran Palace that was demolished um, and then rebuilt several centuries ago. They're not part of that originally. No, they go all the way back to the Praetorium of Pontius Pilate in Jerusalem, in which our Lord stepped on his way to trial during his Passion. According to tradition, St. Helena, mother of the Emperor Constantine the Great, brought the Holy Stairs from Jerusalem to Rome around the year 326 A.D., You know, we have been mentioning a few times here throughout the show that Monday we celebrate the great universal patron of the church, St. Joseph. And there are a lot of different intentions. You know, I, I think if you ask every pastor, Father, what's something I could pray for the parish? They'd all have similar intentions and they'd all have different intentions all at the same time. If you went to every bishop and said, what can I pray for for the diocese? There'd be some similarities and there'd be some differences. So if we went to the Holy Father, same thing. That's why it's beautiful to have a patron such as St. Joseph. So I just wanted to share with you this morning this prayer to St. Joseph by one of my favorite popes, Pope Leo XIII. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. To you, O blessed Joseph, do we come in our afflictions, and having implored the help of your most holy spouse, we confidently invoke your patronage also. Through that charity which bound you to the Immaculate Virgin Mother of God and through the paternal love with which you embrace the child Jesus, we humbly beg you graciously to regard the inheritance which Jesus Christ has purchased by his blood and with your power and strength to aid us in our necessities. O most watchful guardian of the Holy Family, defend the chosen children of Jesus Christ. O most loving Father, ward off from us every contagion of error and corrupting influence, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How wonderful of a prayer is that? You know, that'd be a great one to print out and maybe keep with you. And when you pray your daily rosary, pray that prayer to St. Joseph by Pope Leo Thirteenth. following your daily rosary. A great practice to participate in for sure. And, you know, here's my other question for you this morning. Do you go to your patron saints? Do you go to the saints and ask for their intercession? You're struggling with something? Lift it up to the saints who struggled with that to pray for you. Ask them to pray for you. So for, you know, anyone who struggles with lust or chastity, are you praying through the intercession of St. Augustine who struggled with lust or chastity? I think of that uh, fun quote from St. Augustine, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. And, you know, he he understands what you're going through and he knows, though, the virtue of of living that chaste life, especially having lived not so chaste a life. Um, maybe you struggle with, well, fill in the blank. There's a saint for that. In fact, if you just go online and you type it up, patron saint of, you can you can find out who that saint is and pray through their intercession. And The thing is, you don't have to go it alone. Even if you don't have another person walking with you on this earth you have a saint, a guardian angel praying for you and interceding for you and working on your behalf. You just have to go to them and ask for their help, ask for their intercession. And when you do that, one of the beautiful things our faith teaches is that you'll never have to walk alone. We're going to take a break for you here on Roadmap to Heaven following the break. We'll get you the daily dose of encouragement. Don't go anywhere. Prayer in a time of waiting. All-powerful and ever-living God, guard our churches,
1: our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice. Instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all.
0: This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. We are midway through our second week focusing on the Beatitudes here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Our four words this week merciful, pure, peacemakers, and persecuted. And Patty, if I can count correctly, I believe today we're going to be talking about. Pure. Correct. This
3: is the sixth beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Again, these reflections are not my own. They come from Father Jacques Philippe. I read about them in the Word Among Us. And um, here's what he said about the pure in heart. He said, The pure heart is a heart that is not divided between God and the world it is a heart that has chosen God that has decided for God and puts God at the center of its life the pure heart is also a heart that has learned to love chastely according to his or her state in life and I think most of us can see in our own lives that there is nothing that clouds our vision of God more than sins of the flesh and why is that because When we do not have purity in our own heart, in our own bodies, in our own lives, we take our eyes off of God and we choose gratification. That's what we've done. We've chosen the now. We've chosen what feels good. We've chosen what we want for ourselves. And our vision becomes very, very narrow. We're focusing on ourselves and a lot of times on our own bodies, right? So purity of heart is when our focus, our desire is towards God. And I think it includes Purity of heart is both purity of the heart and the mind. Purity of the heart and the mind. Again, it's a heart that is not divided. Our heart, our actions, our desires, our thoughts are all centered on God. So today, maybe this is a new understanding for you of what pure of heart might mean. So maybe we can just pray, Lord, purify my heart. Make my desires, my thoughts, and my actions all be for you, towards you, looking at you, desiring you. That's what pure of heart means. So today, make that your prayer and pray about being a person who has a pure heart.
0: I have never thought about purity in this way of being undivided, you know, that that God has our whole heart. Usually I think of it in terms of not being blemished. But Patty, you've really given us a lot to think about with this today. And let's endeavor to be pure in heart. You know one of the things I think of when I think of that uh asking for that purity of heart when you talk about gold refined in a furnace well what do you have to do you have to heat up the gold to the point that it melts so you can separate the gold from those things which are inside of it the impurities right I can only imagine if gold had feelings or the ability to feel pain. That would not be the most pleasant process. I mean, gold's inanimate, so you know, what does the gold care? But you and I, we ask for that purity of heart, and then the Lord goes to purify our hearts, and then we complain that the process of purification is unpleasant. Well, yeah, that may be sometimes, that the process of purification is unpleasant, but One of the great images I've heard for the fires of purgatory, right, the purifying fires of purgatory, is that they're not really all that distant, um, in, in a sense, from the fires of hell. Now, this is not a theological lesson for you. It's just something to ponder, that the soul that goes through purgatory Yes, is purged in the fires that burn away all of the things, all of the impurities, all the blemishes, all the things that divide the soul, you know, so that they can we can stand before God in heaven, pure, right? And knowing what that end result is, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor or the dentist or whatever, and you know you're going to have to endure some pain, but that the end result is better, I've got this toothache. I've got to go to the dentist. The dentist says it's a cavity we're going to have to drill. I hate drilling. I hate shots. But I know that if I endure the pain temporarily, in the long run, it will be better. Um, but the soul that cannot stand those fires is the one that says, no, keep it away from me. Keep it away from me. I'd rather linger in this pain. I'd rather suffer this misery than go through that pain that could heal me and could make me better. And you know. Again, just something to ponder. So as I said earlier, go to your patron saints and ask them to intercede for you that you might have the grace to be purified. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you for being with us this morning on Roadmap to Heaven. We hope you have a great Wednesday out there. Remember, grow in holiness today, and as the Blessed Mother would remind us each and every day, pray your rosary today.